Welcome to Get in the Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get in the Herd. Welcome to Get in the Herd. This is a recovery podcast from the McShin Foundation. That intro just pumped me up. I love it. I feel like we're on NFL game day or something like that. Um, I am Alex Bond. I am a peer leader and house leader here at the McShin Foundation. I'm here with my good buddy, Nathan Mitchell, who has been traveling across America, spreading love and hope and you know, just getting it done for addiction across America. Is that right, Nathan? That's right, Alex. Can you hear me? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Can any? I, I, well, anybody who's been watching the show, can you? Can you? Uh, anybody know where I am right now? <laughs> Do you know where I am, Alex? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess Dallas, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I got here around 11:30 this morning, and I met with some amazing people. That I'm eager to share with that information, share that information on my uh, on my page. But um, just had a, a wonderful conversation. Bear with me. I'm outside in a beautiful little park, right next to a, a little coffee shop, and we are, um, you know, right in the middle of the city. So, you know, you're going to hear airplanes. They are not dumpsters going across the street. Uh, you might hear a siren or two. Um, this is this is authentic recovery right here. Um, uh, one of the women I just spoke with has like 32 years of recovery. And wow. so that was a really uh, uh, empowering conversation and, and hopeful conversation. And so uh, I'm here in Dallas. I'm going to walk around after this call because I just got here. I've never been to Dallas before. And then this afternoon, um, I'm going to go meet up with my sister, uh, probably. She's out in Denton about 20 minutes or I don't know. She's not, not in Dallas. And uh, go from there. So how, how are you meeting these people? Like, so this lady with 32 years in recovery, how did you just stumble upon um, meeting her and, and, and striking up a conversation? Man, I know people. <laughs> I know people. I know people who know people. <laughs> well, so that's, that's a good question. So, so when I, I decided on the, to do this, um, to just travel, you know, I, I reached out to some people I know who do you know, work across the country. And I, you know, starting right in our, you know, in our own backyard, I, you know, Honesty and John and, and Jesse, um, you know, asking about who their contacts are and, and who do they know. And then I work with, um, I've been working with uh, Joseph Hogan Sanchez um, with uh, Faces and Voices of Recovery, who runs the um, Association of Recovery Community Organizations, uh, ARCO. And he's put me in touch with a lot of people. Uh, Michael King, who does the Communities Project, I think you've met him before, Alex, maybe not, but um, he, he does uh, advocacy training and he's, he put me in touch, he put me in touch with Becky and Beth today, and I've also been working with the Recovery Advocacy Project, uh, which is Ryan Hampton and Garrett and, uh, um, um, I'm forgetting his name, darn it, uh, Ryan's fiance, I'm sorry. Um, Sean O'Donnell. John, yeah, thank you. John, I'm, uh, Ryan's better half. Sorry, so. I, I turned up the wrong mic there. It's, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, you know, I've just I've, I opened it up, um, and when I, I was on a call yesterday with um, uh, with Recovery Month uh, planning, uh, we honestly actually put it out there that I was doing this. So we opened it up, and I a bunch of people flooded my my message box yesterday and i'm actually going to stop and visit some people in midland texas on my way out west towards um towards california so yeah oh that's awesome so it's just like reaching out to your network and them reaching out to their network and saying you should see this person you'd 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 link up well with this person and and you know i i do know ryan and and we did a pod with michael king i think one time um really 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 solid solid guy so that's that's really cool because you know it's it's one thing to hear all these stories just by listening to them but actually getting to have a heartfelt you know eye-to-eye, face-to-face conversation, especially in, you know, today's 
global pandemic scenario isn't exactly easy. Have you had to take any certain like precautions? Has that been harder than you expected? I mean, what have have, have your expectations been met thus far? Well, you know, here's the thing, Alex. You know, expectations are premeditated resentments, um, and I I know that uh, from my own recovery. And I I that doesn't mean I don't make expectations. It just means that I know what happens when I I, I make I know what can happen when I make expectations. So I I, I knew there were going to be challenges um, before I left, and right before I left, you know, COVID really had a resurgence, and I knew that the challenges would increase. Um, and uh, I said, you know what, you know, torpedoes be damned, I'm going to go. And, you know, I did. And, and, and yes, uh, there have been a few people who didn't want to meet with me or I've talked to over Zoom um, and recorded conversations. There are a few people, you know, I, I, I didn't get to see the organization from the inside because mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're currently closed or they're not accepting new people. Um, however, the people, you know, even the people I wasn't able to meet, the people I have met have all been encouraging and welcoming and gracious and uh, just trying to find a way to work with me to, to talk and have a conversation because really, you know, we're all figuring this out at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there was there's been some really cool ideas that other people are doing, other organizations that, you know, never would have crossed my mind and I, you know, that may or may not be good for McShin and, and for other place, places too. So I, I'm encouraged um, by just the graciousness that, that I've been shown uh as i go around the country no that's great because i can imagine that even the people who are saying you know this might not work out under these circumstances but i do know this person who can help out and and you know a lot of times especially in in as people in recovery it is um (laughs) i'm just laughing at ben kramer's comments um it is people in recovery are a lot you know, more susceptible to understand where we're coming from. So it's like, you know, I know how important that face-to-face conversation is. So I will go out of my way a little bit, even, you know, maybe not in the safest scenarios possible to make sure that I do what it takes to get the message across to someone or to get the message received from someone. Um, right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I, I think you probably practice a, a program of recovery like I do, which demands that connections are the opposite of recovery for me. And, you know, finding new ways to make connections, to continue the connections I have, you know, is important for me to make in my recovery because I, I have a disease that wants me to isolate. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only do I have a disease that wants me to isolate, I've put myself in a, in a, in a, in a prime position. I've literally put myself in a prime position to, to give my disease an excuse to continue to isolate by being out on the road alone, by being in hotel rooms alone and, and sort of, you know, putting myself in, in what has been a few times triggering situations, um, you know, for my own, you know, my own experience. So it's, it's very much a, a very personal recovery journey for me. And I, I, you know, as much as I want to be giving, you know, as I go, you know, I, I know that I'm taking way more than I give. And, you know, that's, that's to me, the way the program works for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that. that. You know, I, I had a, what's that? No, keep going. You go for it. So I'm, I'm my ADD is going crazy because there's a really cute dog over here. Oh <laughs> like, <my God. laughs> um, and I want him to come over here. A beautiful white. I don't know what it is, but beautiful. And oh, by the way, I wanted to say, hey, Ben Kramer, shout out to you. You're my man. You're my favorite person. Not my man, but you know what I mean. <laughs> my boo. There you go. That's better. <laughs> To be fair, Ben, I probably give you more attention than most people, you and Brian, because I send you pictures all the time um, as I go along. And uh, Alex. Yeah, the picture of the pupper was good. I I wanted to segue into uh, how our disease makes us want to isolate and even our symptoms of our disease, even though we have sustained clean time, still have to deal with isolation, like going to jail, which I had to do. And I just got out and it's great. And it was very weird and bizarre, but you know, you're in a situation where you chose to to you know, n- not necessarily isolate, but be on your own and kind of have to fend for yourself, reach out to your network, and and stay productive and busy. So it's almost kind of like a challenge. Um, I was forced to do that challenge, and you know, a lot of people were were 
oh, it'll be easy. You could do that standing on your head. And it's like, okay, well, why, why, don't, why, don't, why don't you go into a pod for 23 and a half hours by yourself? I mean, it, it was a lot more intense than I expected. I don't think I can pixelate out those, you know, fingers, no, blur flying out, fingers. Blur there. out the, so. the, oh, okay, the middle but fingers. But I'll just say fuck them. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, that's, that's a a tough situation to to be in and i know you've been in that situation before so like how did how did you handle um I, you're you're pretty transparent about your your time that you've had to spend in jail and I, I was wondering if you could kind of elaborate on how you got through that without succumbing to that isolation because i started spinning out for like one day because i thought i was in there for too long i'll be stuck in there forever what what if i'm like i had a vision of me getting out of jail and then just like blinking and i'm at a bar with a beer in my hand and i was like oh no that sounds terrifying so i like immediately called people when I got out and, and everything. So I was just kind of wondering what your experience was. Yeah. Well, the, the, the first time I spent time in jail, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't get out with the idea that I had a problem. I, I was there and spent the, the entirety of those 18 days. I think it was the first time, uh, you know, blaming everybody else and, and making sure that everybody knew that it was their fault and their problem. And, and I had nothing to do with it. So, um, but also not wanting to go crazy uh, completely anyway. Those, uh, those, that little bit of time, that first time, you know, I, one of the positive ways of working through that situation for me is to create routines. And, and, and it's funny because I'm the opposite. Well, I'm not the opposite. I, I know that routines can make me stagnant and complacent, but I also know that routine connects me to something. So, like, there has to be a balance for me. And, you know, jail is, is necessarily, you know, the, 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 um, the imbalance of routine versus non-routine, and then you have to, you know, subscribe to somebody else's routine. Um, mm-hmm. But I, for myself, making sure I made my bed, which you know I do now. Um, even even in the hotels I've stayed at, I still make my bed in the morning. Um, That's it's cool. Part of my, well, it's part of my gratitude ritual, and I don't, you know, I didn't want to give that up. But um, you know, the second time I went to jail, you know, I I I, I was pretty dark. Uh, for the for the first couple of weeks, and really didn't want to have anything to do with anybody or anything except you know I was I was just telling Beth and and uh, Becky, you know that I would talk to some people sideways here and there, hoping that they would hurt me, you know, hoping that they would hit me, so that I could feel something other than what I felt. Mm. Um, but when I went into um, when I this isn't necessarily a shill for McShin program, but of course this is a McShin. You know, when I went into the McShin pod at jail. You know, I started creating, you know, healthier routines. Um, you know, I made my bed. Um, I did a lot of reading, um, both both uh, uh, recovery related and non-recovery related. I, you know, I have some pretty deep passions uh, for history and for for music and 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 really a lot of different things. I have a lot of interests. So, you know, I read um, and and I. And, and okay, so here's here's something funny that I don't tell many people. Well, two things. One, I, I wrote a lot of I wrote a lot. Actually, I wrote a lot the first time I was in jail too. I, I wrote um <laughs> because I'm an addict, right? I, I I started to write a play, and I said, well, I can't just write one play. It has to be a series. It has a to be trilogy. a trilogy. <laughs> trilogy, exactly. So yeah, no. So I've sketched out I've sketched out nine acts of three plays, and I've written one full theme. So. <laughs> <laughs> just bits and pieces of different things like that. That's how I write a lot of times is I'll, I'll, I'll just be like, all right, a verse of this, a verse of that, yeah. a verse of that. And I won't finish anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I know. And you're a prolific writer and I know that you're really good. You know, you, your rap skills are on point, at least as far as this 44 year old is concerned. <laughs> well, <thank> right. You. <laughs> um, I also spent a lot of time writing. Um, you know, I'm not, poetry is not really my thing necessarily. Uh, I say that, but then I, well, the right poetry, but I, I'm not a I'm not a prolific writer of poetry, I should say, except for limericks. I like limericks. You know, they're cheesy, they're silly, but I, I, I wrote a lot of limericks, and 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 I, I, I what I would do, <laughs> I would do random art. I did a lot of random little art crafts and projects when I was in jail. You know, I would tear up magazines or we had this one book of. I destroyed this book, but it was really beautiful. It had all this um, cultural stuff in there. Right? I don't know. I made all these little art projects and I, I would leave random shit around the pod and, you know, just to make somebody smile or laugh when they would see. 
I don't know. I get that. Um, I, I, I would start to do funny voices. I made paper cranes. I was like writing in my head. But again, I was, I was in, you know, an elevated scenario where I was in an isolated pod for 23 and because of this coronavirus. I was in a pod and the pod had 48 cells in it that everyone was in for 23 and a half hours. So for half an hour a day, everyone could come out in the day room and take a shower, make a phone call. And, and that was pretty much it. So aside from that, we were relegated to our individual 8 by 12 room for the 23 and a half hours of the day. And being there for, you know, the minimal time that I was, I didn't have any of that stuff. I had whatever I was given and I didn't have a pen. Like a lot, a lot of that stuff, you, I had to get creative. I had to make paper cranes and take toothpaste to a mirror and, and aim spitballs to play darts and stuff like that. And, and, you know, maybe it's not the most productive in the world, but it kept me away from kind of those, those deep seated thoughts of like, Oh, this is this is what recovery gets me. I, I get all this clean time, and then I get stuck in jail dealing with this. And then I looked around, and I was like, No, this is exactly what active addiction got me. Getting, get, you know, sustained recovery is that day is that minute that I walk out and I'm still clean and get to come back here and hit the ground running putting out fires and saying we missed you and and all this other you know valuable <laughs> valuable stuff and and I, we missed you now we need you to get to work <laughs> it, it, spot on and i love it and 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 it, it definitely makes me feel valued which is what helps me stay clean because when i didn't have a lot of self-worth is when i was the worst in my addiction it wasn't usually isolation or loneliness as much as it was just me feeling pitiful for myself yeah, I'm really proud of you, Alex. Um, you know, and, and and I'm glad you you know you got out and made a call. And in fact, I wasn't kidding when I said to you, you know, I texted you earlier and I said I hadn't heard from you. I thought you were ignoring me. And I went and then I talked to Todd. And he was like, Oh yeah, that's right. So I'm I'm glad that it was a short amount of time. Oh yeah, definitely. But okay. it, it, it 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 meant a lot to have these text messages like. <laughs> to get when I when I got out because I saw you know a couple pictures that you sent me and I was like man I'm so happy that Nathan's just cruising across America still doing his thing like keeping it moving and you know the backdrop's beautiful you got a nice bright smile I mean I'm 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 really happy that this is going successfully um, what what are some 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 future game plans that you have I guess in the next week I think we'll be talking to you again next week right Todd. Yeah, probably. Yeah, um, I mean, I want to do this as a weekly. You know, we obviously had a lapse, but I definitely want to do this as a weekly with Nathan. I think it's important. I mean, he's got a, a great story going on here, a great storyline. So, but sorry, I mean, no, no, absolutely. So I was just wondering, I guess, what what the game plan is for um, what we can check on next next time. Well, so hey, so 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 first of all, Alex, are you done with your jail shit? You done with court and jail for now? <laughs> No. Get on a plane and meet me in San Diego in a week. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds wonderful. Do you know how nice a, a vacation on a San Diego beach sounds? San Diego. This um, <laughs> is Spanish <yeah>. for. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, when I was in um, I was in Houston a couple days ago, and uh, I Houston is about an hour away from Galveston, which is right on the Gulf of Mexico, and I said, all right, I need to get some footage of me at the beach at the Gulf of Mexico. I've been to the Gulf of Mexico from Florida before. Um, oh, and from Mississippi. I was there uh, uh, in Biloxi. But um, I said, I need to get some footage so that it matches the footage I took when I was in Virginia Beach, which you haven't seen yet. But, and so I went down to Galveston, went to the beach, took the footage, got in the car, and went back to Houston. <laughs> that's how dorky I am. I, I didn't even spend it. You got free time to do cool stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's well, exactly what this opportunity is for. The danger and and Joseph um, Joseph uh, Hogan Sanchez, who I spent a spent a a, a, a night at um, his house with a, his husband Todd um, two nights ago. I was talking to him about that, and I realized that you know I'm I'm sometimes I'm 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 not in I'm not experiencing the experience if that makes sense. I'm um, collecting the experience. I'm, mm. I'm I'm observing the experience, and I. I there's 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 sometimes where I feel a detachment and I, I'm I've been struggling a little bit with that 
Um, part of that is because up until yesterday, everywhere I had, almost everywhere I had been, was a place I had visited at some point in the past. So sometimes it was reliving old memories. Um, you know, I'm still dealing with family. There's um, other things going on in my life that I haven't shared and I'm, I'm not going to share uh, because it's personal to other people in my family. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's some stuff going on that, that's got me a little out of my square. Um, and I, so I'm, I'm, I'm really pulling the tools that I have in recovery and working with my network. Good. Um, and I'll talk to you about it later. Uh, you'll, you'll be interested, but, um, what happens next for me though, is that yesterday, uh, la yesterday, last night, well, that last night marked the first time, uh, leaving, uh, leaving Austin meant that, um, everywhere I go after Austin, I have never been before. Good. If that makes sense. Now, every, everywhere I've stopped along the way, you know, since I got here, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just about to hit 3,000 miles, by the way. But everywhere I've stopped, not everywhere I've stopped, I've been, but many of the places I've stopped, I have been before. So, this launches the next wave, and I'm going straight out west. I've never been out west. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing completely different countryside. Um, I'm really, I'm, you know, I've, I, I'm really looking forward to the Pacific Coast Highway, um, which I think is San Diego to 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 to, to um, San Francisco, I think. But I'm riding the whole coast. Um, I, I'm looking forward to spending more time experiencing the experiences and not just sort of, you know, hey, what's next? Hey, what's next? Hey, what's next? Which sure. Has been a you, yeah. Like sticking to the itinerary and making sure that you knock all those things off of the checklist instead of, as you're saying, experience the experience. Because that that, that is, for, not to like cut you off, but one yeah. of the main reasons I don't take a lot of pictures, honestly. Like I, I just don't for some reason. A lot. My dad and I have had debates with this. He's like, well, don't you want to, you know, be able to look at them and remember those experiences and 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 look back and think, man, I'm glad I did that. And 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 you know, if it's important enough, it'll get stored in there, and I'll get to bring it up for a rainy day. And you know, I don't have to think about. You know, I, I get to think about the feelings that I had in that experience, not what it looked like. You know what I'm saying? I can I can think of how it smelled and how it felt and what the music was like and, and the sounds. Like, you know, something as simple as an, an ambulance and a pretty back, backdrop of a hotel is, like, warm to look at, but it feels a lot different where you are than how it looks to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I, I, I think... I'm I'm really excited for you to experience those new experiences, but I can imagine it's probably a little uh, more of a scary thing. Was it something that you kind of planned like, okay, at Austin, I'm just going to let the training wheels off or is that just kind of like how it ended up? Well, it, it, it's, um, you know, I, I'm hitting places, I, you know, things I want, have always wanted to do. Um, I... You know, it's funny you say, you know, things that, that aren't, you know, they're stored in my memory, right? Like, like the smell of my grandmother's kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. That's a distinct, and it's, it's, you know, I, I will occasionally get a whip of that. It's, it's essentially the gas that was in the stove. Um, but it's, it's, you know, I, I can every once in a while I'll smell that and it, it reminds me of that spot. And that's not something I can photograph or replicate. Mm -hmm. Well, I can replicate it, but it's not something I look to replicate. It just sort of happens every once in a while. And, and the same thing with sounds, you know, I, uh, or food. My goodness, I, I have eaten so well in Texas. Well, I've eaten so well on this trip. Um, Anthony Bourdain would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he. Well, yeah. I mean, I will tell you, I had. Um, I was. I spent a whole day last uh, last Saturday with um, Dan Schneider. You know, the pharmacist. Mm -hmm. So you did get to link up with him. Oh yeah, we spent a whole day together. Good. Um, we spent a long. In fact, if you can see, I'm a little. I'm really, really tan. It's primarily because of him, um, which is a good thing. We walked around forever. We saw a lot, and and then he took me. We had two. Um, we had two women, two mothers who had just lost children to this disease. Uh, one woman who had lost a son about four months ago, and another one who had just just a little over a year. And so the four, well, the five of us, uh, one woman had her, her boyfriend, one, two, three, four, five. The five of us um, went and drove around a lot of the places that are in the pharmacy. So 
in the show. But then we also drove around to some other places in New Orleans, and 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 he lives in the North Shore of uh, Lake Pontchartrain, and um, we went to dinner and well, late lunch, I guess. And and it was one of those meals. This is my favorite way to eat, Alex. My favorite way to eat is to just walk in and have serving me food. I mean, I'll pay and stuff like that, but. I <laughs> It's like I don't I don't want to order food. You know, if I'm if I'm somewhere where people cook, you know, I want to experience what your favorites are. You know, and so so it was one of those I like, I walked in, we sat down and like they brought us gumbo. Amazing gumbo, right? And I remembered which I'd kind of forgotten, but the last time I was in New Orleans was twenty years ago. And I can tell that story here. So the last time I was in New Orleans twenty years ago, um yeah, was quick quick back quick uh pulse to- check. <laughs> I had to think about it. Um, I, I, I was uh, I was in I was in Atlanta, Georgia, in November of 2000. Right. So when the election happened, that that, and if you remember the 2000 election, Gore and Bush, you know, there was a it lot was of tight. Yeah, yeah. And but the election that night, we had a I was at a at a queer conference for queer advocates, LGBTQ advocates, although it was just lesbian and gay advocates at the time. And so we were at this thing and, and, you know, Bush, well, Gore won. We thought we went to bed, we woke up and then crazy. So anyway, my boss and I at the time, that might have been a little too much. Well, anyway, a person I know and I. Um, and <laughs> you her, can't redact wife, something that's live on the air, dude. <laughs> let's, let's, let's just, uh, you know what? I can say this. Okay. We couldn't fly from we, we planned to go to New Orleans for like six days and we got a place but we couldn't fly there because of what we had with us okay so yeah and so we white knuckled it uh, me being um, it was, I was 24 I think at the time so and I was uh, a little clean cut um, not so flaming but I was a little clean cut gay boy uh, we had a pretty flaming game boy with us um, a really 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 uber dyke lesbian um, love you, and um, and her girlfriend who was a lipstick lesbian, and so you know we did not look like we belonged on the back roads of Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi. <laughs> so we white knuckled it the entire time, and so of course we didn't take a lot of pictures because you know, and we got to New Orleans. But I remember that trip. Well, I don't remember a lot from that trip, but what I remember is two things: the music, first of all. The music everywhere we went, right? Everywhere we went, there was good music, even on the street. And and that 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 happened when I was there just a few few weeks ago or a couple of days ago, whatever it was. Um, there was still music. There was nobody in New Orleans. Uh, um, and the food. Anybody anybody who's been to New Orleans says the same thing. I think is that the food and the music are, are are the two most amazing parts of New Orleans. And every everything I ate in New Orleans. And that, that was the same thing when I was there just now, um, a couple of days ago, or a week and a half, whatever it was, a week and a half ago. Um, you know, the food was just incredible. The music was awesome. We, we stopped, I, I stopped at a, um, I went down to the French Quarter. Um, I went and got a, um, <laughs> I went to the French Quarter just so that I could get a sticker for Brian Merritt <laughs> because I promised him a, a, a and uh, so, but that was like, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did that because, yeah, I kind of had the place to myself, really. And there were still people playing music, and I sat and had coffee and beignet, Cafe du Monde. And uh, I tried to get into the staff meeting, um, but we, we, I don't know, Honesty and Moses and I got stuck in another Zoom call, just the three of us. Another dimension with just you three. <laughs> And I had, I had the St. Louis Cathedral behind me in the background, and then I turned around. I'm like, "Here's the Mississippi River," and and that was that. And then, um, no blue screen uh, necessary. No blue screen necessary. But the rest of this trip, man, like, yeah, I, I've got points along the way. Like, I I am meeting some people in. Um, I think I'm gonna meet a girl. Uh, 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 darn it, her name is Francine uh, McDermott. Um, Darn it. Anyway, uh, a woman in um, San Francisco. I may meet a guy in Los Angeles, but, you know, California's kind of getting hit right now, and I, I don't want to – I'm not so much worried about myself at this point, but I've been around a lot of people. And even though I'm trying to practice as best I can, you know, precautions, you know, um, who knows? You can only do so, so much, exactly. Yeah. But I'm eager to see – I'm hoping, hoping I get to see Michael King. 
in Seattle. And uh, there's, I haven't met any, I don't know, actually I need to talk to you about this afterwards, but I, I might need some help finding some people, excuse me, in Oregon to talk to um, about uh, a law that they're trying to pass there that, that is very similar to what's, well, it's close to what's going on in Portugal right now. It's kind of that Portugal model, that Portugal flip that John keeps talking about, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in. So, so they're, they're, they're planning on doing it just, just to get a quick, you know, uh, elevator pitch on it. They're essentially trying to do a organ flip where they're just going to decriminalize all drugs in Oregon is what I'm hearing. Oh, you, you know more than I do already. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I knew that, but so you know a lot. No, right, no, I'm, I'm just getting a pulse check because that's what it sounds like. And I've heard rumblings, that sort of thing. I don't want to say on air that is what it is, but that's kind of like, to my knowledge, what it sounds yeah. like. Um, well, and, 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 wanna... and it wouldn't surprise me because Oregon, if I recall correctly, was, you know, by a very small margin um, of minutes, the actual first state to, I think, legalize pot in their state or cannabis um i don't think i think cannabis is the preferred nomenclature um but i know it was oregon and colorado were very very close so um yeah they're pretty clearly one of the more progressive states so it would be wild if they actually did try to pull something off in a state level like that i think it could be really impactful i i think it's up for uh, up for a vote by the public um, in the election. I, I actually, I need to do some research on okay. this, but I I want to see what's going on with that and see how you know that could work. Bringing something like that to Virginia, um, you know, maybe not now, but well, you know, there's no, no time like the present. So I, I yeah, I, just, I mean, it'll, like, it'll follow the same trajectory that the 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 you know, cannabis industry has, it, it would be, you know, your progressive states will decriminalize, then legalize, and then, you know, the same domino effect. And then Virginia will be the last one to decriminalize. And then Virginia will finally, you know, maybe recreationally legalize in 20 years. And then, you know, maybe within 50 years, we could see a USA flip. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm not trying to be cynical or pessimistic, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Uh, I, I think it, it takes a lot of moving parts, and everybody wants their piece of the freaking pie at the end of the day. Who, who, who gets paid is, is what, what it really comes down to. Well, and it's, you know, I, 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 um, I, I asked about this, you know, I asked John about this uh, a couple months ago, and, and I think maybe Ryan, but Hampton. It might have been Ryan Hampton, but they know more about you know, it than I do. Yeah, well, so I I, I look at the um, you know in two thousand in two thousand I was working for the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force, and I was young um, and, and did not really understand what it was I was doing. Um, I'm grateful I had the experience. Um, I'm grateful that it left it left a little bit of a seed in me. You know, I I, I didn't uh, progress in my political activism really a lot more until, you know, later, you know, 20 years later. Um, however, it left, it left some seed in me, but I remember at the time, you know, this was 2000. I remember that, you know, we were at the time celebrating Howard Dean and Vermont, the Vermont Supreme court at the time had, had, um, had made, it, it didn't make gay marriage legal. What it did was it said, we have to create something that was, um, similar, you know, that was, that, that, that was the same, but not, name. So what they did was they created something called civil unions in Vermont. Mm. And big deal um, at the time because there were some domestic partnerships in some locations around the country. Um, they were some of the states were just thinking about adopting domestic partnerships. You know, they may, some may have had them, um, some of the more progressive, but that was 20 years ago. And at the time, like nobody in queer politics was thinking that we could ever get gay marriage. You know, there were people on the fringes who thought, you know, hey, we're going to work at this. But for the most part, even the people I worked with, even some of the people I worked with were like, nah, that's a, a, that's a lost cause. You know, maybe we'll get that in 30 or 40 years, right? That was, that was thinking from people who knew a lot of information at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there was, a, there was a court case in 1998, I think, it was versus Loving. I'm in Texas now, actually. But Texas versus uh, Lawrence versus Texas. Excuse me. And it was a, a sodomy law, um, the Texas sodomy laws. And it was, uh, you know, two, two men um, having consensual you know, sex in their own private home. And they were arrested and, 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 and uh, brought to trial and then convicted. And so what that case ended up moving to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court effectively said, well, that's, you know, not 
fine. That, that's not good. You know that you can't do that. And and that was Justice Kennedy who was a Republican nomin- uh, nominated uh, judge justice. But that was a that was a landmark case in the in the gay rights movement because because SCOTUS sets precedent. Yeah. It's, it knocked away all the sodomy laws all across the country. And that, that was a good paving the way towards, um, you know, full equality, you know, for gay marriage. But we, we, we didn't think about it at the time. So, so I, there weren't a lot of people working on that. And it really took, you know, what was it, 2014, I think, when, when gay marriage actually became the case. You know, and it took, um, it took a lot of different things. And it, but it initially, it took a, a really nasty... Um, battle in california uh and oh that was 2008 so i think i think it was 2010 when we got anyway well i guess i, I guess it's kind of the cases and i look at roe versus wade i look at texas versus um uh, i mean virginia you know loving versus virginia texas Lee lawrence i look at um brown versus the board of education you know so i look at these different landmark cases that really shifted the way we look at major deals in this country and i wonder where is our where is the 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 uh, recovery movement's landmark case? You know, and and that that makes me think. Well, we got to make sure we protect the Supreme Court because you know there's going to be cases coming up. I mean, we addiction we know is a disease, but we continue to treat addiction as a criminal justice issue. So when we continue to treat a criminal justice issue as instead of a public health care issue. We continue to deplete resources the wrong way, blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, anyway. and, 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 and I guess what, what I hear in all those examples are civil liberties being violated. And, and yeah. so it takes a civil liberty to be violated for someone to say, no, you can't do that anymore. And then precedent yeah. gets set and then laws get changed and, and you know, written and amended and, and what have you. But, you know, there are civil liberties it's such a more financial and infrastructural and healthcare problem than it is a civil liberty problem, and those sort of problems don't get solved as quickly as civil liberty problems. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to open up like a huge, huge debate and and say like, oh, this is this is going to be harder than gay marriage because gay marriage was was huge. It was foundational. It took a lot of activism. I, I'm not trying to discredit that in any sort of capacity. I just think. Um, as a as a born skeptic, there is more money involved in the drug industry than there might be yeah. in in the queer community. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, no. I, you 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 actually you're you're yeah. I agree with you 100 percent on that. You've got you've got the 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 criminal the 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 criminal justice if we can call it justice exactly got, the the uh, the corporate criminal you know. Re- institution you know incarceration model we've got um judges being freaking you know, having their their retirements you know tied to jails you know and how much money they make which is absolutely obscene you know the judge that ju- that sentenced me in virginia uh, in warrenton um he had a license plate that said i think it said one million uh, one million years or something like that like he was, had a goal of uh, of getting a hundred a million years of of, of people put you know people in jail you know it's 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 ridiculous you know that that sort of rampant you know uh, yeah and that's the sort of stuff that we'd have to lean on to get these laws actually changed is those civil liberties being violated which again very pessimistic and morbid but it's like we have to find those cases exploit them and and say when is this going to stop you know what i'm saying i mean that's what stuff like the black lives matter movement has done well is is has said you know we won't stand for this anymore has used these examples i'm i'm trying to read that yeah what does he it says yeah it no says that's completely Alex, that's completely right Gwen. yeah it says one major issue is politicians who want to who want to be seen as tough on crime and in some states judges are elected yeah so. and and yeah. You know, I I think that the the more that people with substance use disorders are not treated like criminals, then we will we will we will we will see a change um, in in a huge level. And I think that that starts on a very basic level of you know, 
it'd be great to see how close Oregon does get on, on some sort of USA flip, and I think that could be a really cool pulse check at the end of the day. I'm, I'm no political analyst. I'm just a, I'm just a skeptic. Yes, honesty. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm having difficult. I'm having some. Uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm having technical, technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> uh, for, for whatever reason, I can't. I, I need a, like a ridiculously. Uh, I, I'm having difficulties. I so would, I would recommend. I would recommend that you change the format <laughs> yeah, from 4K to 1080p, and then your videos will upload smoothly because you won't need the bandwidth. Yeah, about the that, trouble troubleshoot you know, on that, the pod right now. Yeah, that, that's where it's coming from because uh, it's 4, 4K footage. And, Nathan, but, have you tried plug, uh, unplugging it and plugging it back in? <laughs> Um, I, I actually already knew that Todd was going to tell me that because he told me that before. And I'm, I'm hard-headed, and I'm like, no, I'm going to do it in 4K. What's the point of owning a 4K camera if you don't fucking do it in 4K? It's freaking tech, you know, tech talk with Todd over here. So. Tech talk with Todd Corner. What's, what's, what's the point of trying to get this video uploaded if you can't do it? So, yeah, I, I get it. I, um, You know, I... I <laughs> But you, but it does. It takes okay. So it takes a whole. It takes multiple systems. You know, multi-system change to to to, to affect what we want to do overall. And that's really to bring, you know, um, to bring uh, this disease to its knees. And it, it starts with you know. I, I I met with Beth and Becky today, right? And they they do it. They're on a drug prevention organization here in Texas. And both of these are two women in, in long-term recovery. And they run this organization and. Their prevention message isn't about, hey, don't do drugs, or, oh my goodness, these are the horrible things that happen when you do drugs. Their prevention message is, doesn't even discuss drugs that much when they were telling me how they do this. It's about creating purpose. It's about making sure that people feel valued. It's about making mm. sure that children, and this is towards children, you know, children have a, a safe space to fully embrace an idea of, you know what, I don't need drugs to hide from my life because I have value in my life you know and I we talk about you know so much of addiction you know can 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 go right back to early childhood trauma and so to be able to to work at the that level in that way with prevention I I, I really admire the two of them and want it to 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 to, to really observe that for me because I don't know anything about prevention you know I remember what prevention was like when I was a kid in the um, 80s <clears throat> and it was Reagan and don't do drugs and and I know things have morphed I know things have changed and I'm on a co I'm on um, a, co a couple of coalitions that are dedicated to prevention so you know I, I, I have seen some other awesome things I'm glad to be a recovery voice on those coalitions however our voices will often get you know um, stumped out by the people who are you know still have that idea of lock them up and throw away the key mm -hmm. threat of jail is not going to prevent me from using drugs it never did no you know and it's not going to continue to prevent me from using drugs what's going to prevent me from using drugs is finding a life worth living free from drugs and alcohol and and to to prevent to show that message of to uh to prevent is, is is i think pretty powerful and if we can start there you know and create systems where okay well you didn't get that message when you were young but you know what here's another here's another chance here's a life worth living Let's try to rephrase it repurpose it re, re reapply it and retool yeah. it because you know again i'm glad that you mentioned beth and becky will um I like focusing on the positive. I, I, I don't like dwelling in the negative too much. I can get caught there very easily. But, you know, when we were at a conference in Roanoke, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, you know what I'm going to say is, is a guy stood up and, and he spout all these facts that were very manipulative about what the cannabis industry has done to Oregon and how it's affected people. And, you know, as soon as he said gateway drug, I immediately rolled my eyes into the back of my head so hard that you would have thought I was, I was the exorcist because it's just such an outdated term. You know, if, if marijuana is a gateway drug, then so is milk by, by that standard. I mean, I, I just don't understand how, how we're, st we're still getting caught in these same same traps and buzzwords and taboos and 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 things like that so you know keep fighting the good fight 
Would sorry, you, I'm like no, I was just sorry. saying, just keep fighting the good fight, and we'll, we'll we'll just keep focusing on the on the positive and the successes. And apparently, after a while, I think it'll drown out the other stuff. What, what were you gonna say? Well, it's funny you said milk is a gateway, but I mean the reality and the evidence suggests that really sugar is the gateway drug. You know, and you know I I can see that in my own life and how that material. Oh my gosh, it's so I, I love this little park. I'm so ADD right now, but you know, <laughs> there's this little squirrel just sitting up here right now. <laughs> Um, uh, but you know, as, as sugar is the gateway drug, but we, 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 we don't, we don't spend enough time, um, teaching our kids and, and I don't know, I can't, I'm not going to go on a prevention thing because it's not my, it's not my sphere, my, you know, it's not my, my, my sphere. I do know that what happened, you know, when I was young didn't work for me. So you're right. The posi- Thank you, Debbie. You're right. Absolutely. Positive. That's that's exactly right. You know, making sure that we're we are faces and voices. I I, I can't wait for you guys to see Beth and Becky right now. And I keep talking about them because I just had them here. But um, you know, so everybody I've met along this path, you know, I've have just been absolutely, you know, dedicated to doing something, you know, positive. You know, creating a change that is long lasting and and positive. And it's not about you know, hatred and that, you know, it's not about anger. It's not about fear. Um, it's about conquering those fears. And, and, and I think this part of this journey for me is, is, is conquering fear and, and, and it's little fear. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if he's watching or not, but my, my dad, you know, I, my, my dad worked on, on engines, you know, on, on, on airplane engines you know, when I was a kid. And that's what he did. He was in the Navy. He worked on F-14s and A-6s. And, I don't know anything about engines. You know, I look at Me my neither. car and I'm like, okay, you know? And so I, I, I approach something very as basic as dealing with car issues from a very, from a position of fear that goes right back to feeling the no relationship with my dad. I mean, it's like, I can look at this and be like, Oh my God, are you serious? Daddy didn't play ball with me. So now, but I, that's how it is with me. And I've identified that situation. So I, you know, I, when I get to those things and that's what's happening with me on, on this trip, I've had, um, I've had a couple of times where I had to stop and, and, and get things taken care of, so, you know, on the car. And instead of me, catastroph- well, I, <laughs> I will still catastrophize in my mind for a minute, but learning the recovery that doesn't take me to that little child, you know, who just wants his daddy to teach him stuff to just breathing and appreciating where I am at the moment and saying, where are my feet? And I'm going to be where my feet are, you know, and I think that, that, that that's as simple as just there's little fears and conquering those on this trip, you know, learning to do maybe things that other people already know how to do, you know, that I just never figured out or just never did. I mean, I didn't drive. I lived in the city for a long, long time. You know, I lived in and I never owned a car. Mm-hmm. So the thing, you know, and when I did own a car, I didn't take care of shit, you know. But now it's like, OK, you know, if I want if I'm going to. If I want to drive across the desert for two days or three days, you got to change your oil and rotate the tires. <laughs> of course. So yesterday I took the car. Um, the the I had a slow leak in, in two of the tires, actually. And I, I took the tires. I took the car and, and I knew I needed an oil change. Right. And so of course, they're they try to sell me on this and this and this. And I was kind of annoyed that I went where I went and not to where I wanted to go. That's another story. Um, but there your nothing, dirty laundry. Name names. I want names, Nathan. You're being so secretive today, and we need to start no, taking down these people. Well, it's not secretive. It's just yeah. You know, I went to the Firestone place, you know, where they do tires instead of going to NTB. And you know, I went to NTB in Richmond when I got my spark plugs done. What a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And, you know, I, 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 the experience was helpful. It was not in any way sort of, you know, I didn't feel blame or shame as I left because, you know, when I left yesterday, they're like, well, you need to get the timing belt redone and it's going to be $1,300 and you need six hours. And I'm like, you know, my <laughs> eyes are like, I don't have $1,500 or six hours or, you know, they're like, it has to be checked every 75,000 miles. And I'm like, I Googled it. And of course, because, you know, in my head, I'm going to blow up in the car, you know, somewhere in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> Go out and, breaking bad stuff. Like, sure enough, you know, it should be something I check between ninety and one hundred ten thousand miles. Well, I'm at one hundred nineteen thousand miles right now, so I was like, <laughs> you know, I don't know when it was last changed. And I'm like, if that breaks, you know, the car is gone. And I'm like, I, I just have to. And put then it you're to stuck in the desert. Like, I don't have thirteen hundred dollars to play with. <laughs> yeah, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You know, 
Well, yeah, and, and, and it's funny how, so, you, how you mention a lot of those experiences because one of the things that like I I have seemed to overvalue, I think, is intelligence. Like, I, And I think that if I can't do something, it's because I'm dumb or I'm like bad at it or I'm incompetent at it, not because I literally haven't tried to do it or anything like that. So, you know, a lot of things kind of like came easily to me. So the more that I try new things out, I expect them to come easily to me like things are just supposed to get handed to me and that's not exactly how the real world works. So like, you know, learning about cars is something that is a very concrete example that resonates um, very well with me. Um, You know, I've done jobs like construction jobs and manual labor just for the sole fact of like learning how to do specific skills in in that field, even though it it might not be something that completely enthralls me, but it could after a while if I learned how to do it successfully and did some trial and error with it. And I think that's like anything in life is you can't just expect to come in to the idea of not doing drugs for the rest of your life and be like, oh, this is going to be real easy. I got this in the bag. Like, you know, I'm going to travel across the country and expect everything to be smooth sailing. Like life isn't just handed to you. The most rewarding parts of it is when you go out and try to grasp it. I, I got to tell you, that's funny, you know, so, so you can't, like, I can't anticipate everything, right? And, but I am a person who likes to, you know, try to plan for every scenario, or at least in my head, I'll, I'll, I'll not maybe plan for every scenario, but I'll have in my head every scenario. Plan for the worst and hope for the best is what my mom said. Right. But, so, you know, I, I, what I'm finding is that, you know, the first couple of weeks of my trip were, were primarily with people. I hadn't connected with, I hadn't reconnected with since before I got sober. And so um, some of them I talked to on the phone or, I mean, I talked to through Facebook mostly or texted, but, you know, hadn't seen face to face and hadn't. And, and now, of course, you know, not being able to hug, um, you know, it's, it's been funny because I know what I'm doing and I, I tell people what I'm doing. And, and, you know, I, I can, I can point out like my aunt, my aunt Nancy, I love you, Aunt Nancy, if you're watching. Um, <laughs> but she made it a point when we sat down to order, uh, I met her for dinner, her, and then my uncle and my, my cousin met us later. And we, we sat down to order and we ordered drinks and she's, I, she said, I'm going to have a iced tea and lemonade. I said, oh, that sounds good. Y'all have an Arnold Palmer. Mm. But when they came, you know, that's my, drink. Waitress, that's my drink. Well, right. But my, my, my aunt, my aunt Nancy seems to think that, that it normally has vodka in it. I don't know why, but that's what she seems to think. And so when she, when I, when we ordered, she's like, but, but, but mine has normal, like with the vodka and, and not that one. Just make sure there's no alcohol. In that. Like she was the one being proactive to make sure I didn't get booze in my drink. And I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to suddenly, you know, fly off the handle and be like, Ooh, booze, you know? Um, <laughs> and I had a, a different experience, a, a very kind and uh, compassionate experience with my um, former high school band director, Rob Reimer. And if you're watching, hi, Rob. But he, you know, he called me and he's like, Hey, so I have to ask you a couple questions. And I'm like, Oh God, what, you know, what's, what are you gonna ask me? And I'm like, I'm open anything. And I'm thinking, Oh shit. You know? But, um, he's like, so if we go out to lunch, you know, can we go somewhere that has a bar? I'm like, oh yeah, that's fine. I said, you're not gonna be, you'll be okay with that. I'm like, Rob, you're fine, and you can drink if you want to. He's like, oh no, no, I would never do that. To you. I'm like, no, no, it's not about me. It's about you. You, you don't have to worry about me on that one. But, but it was, but it was kind. It was compassionate, and and you know, I don't think he's a big drinker. But the last time I had seen him before that, we were, we got kind of, we kind of got a little tipsy. So you know, he was kind of. Mindful and there's that, that fine cool. line of being like sensitive and overtly even weirder in one direction. Like, you know, I'd, I'd be much more comfortable with you. You know, I, if this is this is my experience. I would be a lot more comfortable with you getting drunk in front of me than you going into another room drinking and coming back drunk because you're afraid that's going to affect me worse. Or you think that's you think I'll be I'm going to be better off by not seeing you get loaded and then I just see you and I'm like, why are you hiding this from me? I'm not like 12. You know what I'm saying? I'm not your parents or anything. I just don't do that anymore. And, and, you know, I think that, that there is a very fine line that, you know, friends and family and everyone kind of like tread. But as soon as I kind of lay the law of the land of just like, you know, yeah, you're good. And (laughs) and don't ask again. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Chip. 
just for you, baby, just for you. And and so I, th- I like, thought it was for me. <laughs> and and you know so, I love a made in uniform. I know you um, do. And 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is like it's something as small as when I go to my friend's house and she it, and she says. Hey, I actually just made some pink lemonade. You want some? Like, like is conscientiously going out of her way to make sure that I feel comfortable instead of saying, oh, are we allowed to drink? Like every single time that I'm over at your house, like, come on. So um, I, I think that comes with a lot of practice and everything. Um, what did honesty say something? Well, no, 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 well, well, she said, yeah, she said about you know, do we have security at Machine now? Oh but, yeah, but it's me, baby. It's the security of having Alex back in the house. So. Um, Alex is our new bouncer. <laughs> hey Nathan, I wanted to ask you real quick because um, so you said from here, from Texas, where are you going next? So um, I'm, I'm in Dallas until I until uh, Sunday. And then Sunday, um, I'm driving to uh, Midland, Texas, um, and I guess I'm going to meet a group there probably Monday. And from there, I don't know anybody in El Paso. I put El Paso on the map because it was – from there, I'm going to San Diego. If I stop along the way, that's they're, they're, they're not really planned stops. Um, and then I go from San Diego uh, straight up the coast, all the way up the coast um, to Seattle. And stopping along the way, maybe I'm gonna stop for myself and 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 do some hiking. I may actually go dark, excuse me, for a day or two and go go uh, go completely um, uh, digital free. Um, I think that might benefit me uh, at that point. And then from there, uh, from Seattle, I bounce um, south and east to Boise, Idaho, where I hope to see my cousin Law, uh, cousin um, Stacy. Um, and and their family and her family and Boise, uh, Idaho is supposed to be gorgeous. There's a place called Craters of the Moon that I'm kind of eager to see. It looks really weird and and cool. And then from there to Salt Lake City to see uh, um, Evan Dunn, uh, who does some incredible work there. And from there to Las Vegas, and I'll be in Las Vegas for several days. And then I think the Grand Canyon and the and what do we call them? The Wee Canyons. The Wee Canyons. <laughs> the, the, the not so Grand. The not canyons. so Grand Canyon, <laughs> aka the Wee Canyons. <laughs> I'm actually glad that you mentioned going dark. That was something that that you know crossed my mind when you were talking about collecting memories and not experiencing the experiences. Is that is just you know take the ability to collect those memories off the table. You know what I'm saying? Like just completely take it off the table. That was one thing that helped me was. And just in, you know, different things in life was my mom told me, like, just don't give yourself another choice. Like, you have to do what you have to do. Don't give yourself another choice because as soon as you do, you're going to pick that thing. And, 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 you know, she was right. You were right, mom. And... Now, now, I, now, now I try to just not give myself as many choices. As soon as I'm, like, given something, I do it without trying to, like, you know, put it off till later unless I absolutely have to yeah generally i'm still a procrastinator by nature but that's that's for like personal things more so another question real quick yeah um was so as if anyone wants to help contribute to this you, you still have that going on like you're you're still you're still working with that you know, I appreciate you mentioning that. Are you still uh, taking money? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, it, it's it's on my to-do list of updating and and making sure it kind of looks pretty or whatever. I, I don't know, um, but it you know I'm I'm <laughs> it, it's expensive, um, and as much as I as much as I love the trip and everything, you know, absolutely I could use a little more help. And and you know, if you don't have money to contribute, which is fine, I, I get that. We're all in tough times right now. But if you have like I don't know, hotel points or can put me up somewhere. Maybe. I don't know. Um, that would be nice too. Um, I'll tell you one of the nicest things. So, so you may have seen a picture of, um, you probably didn't know. A couple days ago when I was leaving Houston, um, I saw my aunt Grace and my uncle Harry and then my great aunt, my great uncle. So my grandmother, whose birthday I was at in the beginning of the month, it was her sister. Um, and she, they're they're in their mid they're 86 I think, and I saw them, and my cousin Peggy, they, they put together a basket of goodies, 
And there's a picture of me with this basket of goodies. It's all, you know, food, some homemade preserves that she made and then snacks and whatnot. And I'm, I know I've got this big cheesy grin because I'm, you know, look like I'm thrilled to have this basket. What I what I forgot to take a picture of and show, and I'll send this, is that my, my Aunt Grace is an, is an incredible artist. And she had taken a, a photograph of my grandfather and she had hand-drawn that and turned it into Christmas cards because he's wearing a... Uh, you know, Santa cap. And my grandfather died about two and a half years ago. So right before I got clean. So um, she gave me a bunch of those. And that, that was absolutely the, the um, it's one of the highlights of the trip so far. You know, that, um, that, and uh, you probably saw the picture of my, my friend Sue in, um, also in Houston. She, Alex, you'll get a kick out of it. She brought two clean sheets with her. And she sheet over her entire body just so that she could hug me when I met her. And she kept a second sheet so that we could hug when, we, when she left me. So, and I put the sheet over me for, for that, you know, for, the, for when she left. What so a clever lady. That's a cool thing. And, and I, I don't remember the last time I saw her. Um, but I've known her since I was 13, I think. Sue and I were in eighth grade. I mean, we were, in, you know, we're the same grade. We graduated together. So that was that was really cool, um, but yeah. So a lot of people have been helping me out with like you know um, Joseph, uh, Joseph and Todd. Um, they they put me up for a night um, in in Austin, and uh, Joseph and I went out. I don't know if you saw those pictures, Alex, but the meal I had yesterday with Joseph, wow. And I have leftovers in the car. I'm actually going to eat them as soon as I get off the phone here. Um, but wow, that's barbecue of my freaking life. Like just and and, and just. Oh and my that's God. the leftovers. Wow. That's the leftovers. Wow. I hope, I hope they were refrigerated in the process. <laughs> They've just been sitting in his hot Dallas, Texas car all day. Next time, next thing we find out is like it's like uh, what's the game that when you were a kid? Fear Factor. You know, no, we have Nathan has dysentery. So, oh, so, Oregon Trail. Oregon You'll trail. be going up to Oregon yeah. soon anyway. <laughs> Leaving a trail. So. so. Sorry, I had, yet, to, I had to get some ribs in because you kept saying, oh, no, I posted this picture. Actually, Alex, you probably didn't see it because you were busy dealing with jail. So, sorry, I had to, I had to get some back at you. Um, Nathan, so, yes, please what, donate money. There's a, there's a thing. There's a GoFundMe. GoFundMe, please. I could use a little help. Um, always. Just a couple bucks here or there would be great. I, I want to do... Feed Nathan. Actually, yeah. <laughs> feed Nathan. That's what oh, I feed said. Nathan. Feed hey, Nathan. Uh, Matt Connor put in some money. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head, so I apologize if I missed somebody. My um, Aunt Lee and my Uncle Dave in Delaware put in some money. Thank you for that. Um, 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 honesty, thank you so much for, for your contribution. And of course, uh, Ryan um, Hampton and uh, the Recovery Advocacy Project. Thank you so much. And as always, McShin, thank you so much for helping me and helping me, um, well, help me get clean for one thing, showing me a life worth living and helping me to um, develop uh, a life worth sharing um, and for supporting me on this journey. So yeah, feed Nathan. Nathan, we love you. I'm so proud of you. Is that, is that what you're grateful for? You kind of uh, like, you kind of answered your, 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 your famous last question there without even getting the question. Well, you know, I live gratitude, man. I have to. Um, because like you were saying I earlier. I your daily it's, texts. What's that? I miss your daily gratitude texts. I, you know, I haven't done that in ages. I, I, I will get, you know what? I appreciate you saying that. Um, I, I appreciate you saying that. I'm grateful you said that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, grateful that, you said that. <laughs> grateful for that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to do this. And um, stay connected. I'm grateful to be able to do this and, and uh, recognize, um, you know, to identify some of my character defects and, and, and work with them a little bit. Um, um, I have work to do, so I'm identifying work that I still need to do. Um, but I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for being able to take this journey and uh, have people around me, you know, I meet along the way and people, you know, still at McShin that are helping me and keeping me, keeping me accountable but also, you know, reminding me that I'm still loved when there are moments I'm like, want to throw in the towel. And I've had a few moments, you know, so yeah, I'm grateful. Good stuff. 
I loved catching up with you. I loved catching up with you, and I can't wait to talk to you behind the scenes to get some hot goss. You can spill that tea about <laughs> what's, what's, what's really going on. Name some names that we can't do on air. And, buddy, I'm, I'm really proud of you. I love you, man. You're doing a great, great job out there. Yeah, hit that GoFundMe page that Todd just put up. Um, Nathan, seriously, I love Otherwise, you, buddy. I'll be eating three old leftovers that have been boiling in the car. Prevent Nathan from getting dysentery fun. Nathan, go fund Nathan's dysentery. Go fund his surgery. <laughs> Todd, it's 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 a pleasure. I love you too, man. Nathan, you, I'll Todd. talk to you next week, um, probably sooner than then. Um, this has been get in the herd. Um, get out there and do something helpful today. Uh, it's good to be back. I appreciate all y'all. Thank you very much. I'm proud of you.